Dear Jesus, we want to thank you so much for letting us be here. Thank you for the opportunities to witness for your children and be with our discussion this morning. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, when Linda Gallimore talked to me about the presentation today, she said, what about how, how do home and Sabbath school support each other? Oh, that's a, a very interesting you know, concept, which is absolutely what we should be doing. We have, we have the home, we have Seventh-day Adventist schools, we have Sabbath schools, we have Pathfinders and Adventures, and all of those entities should be working together because we're all ministering to our boys and girls. So it's pretty exciting when they all work together. It's hard when we work apart, so we want to work together. And I wanted to start out with looking at um, some of the concerns homes might have. How do our homes... And I'm going to give you this list. This list you'll get in just a minute. First of all, families have no time to study. Uh, kids, if they're in school, they have schoolwork to do. And families just seem to be, if you've got working parents and they get home and they've got a couple hours with their kids before they go to bed, they feel like there's no time to study. There's no time even to train and obey, getting them to obey. Um, Families don't have worship anymore. When I talked to my students, and, and this year I had ninth and 10th graders, I said, well, you know, when you have family worship, and they kind of look at me like, mm, we don't really do that. Oh, we got to start doing some training there. Because that families don't even have time to be a family. They're, everybody's coming and going and doing everything else. Uh, children want to play video games, watch TV and movies. They don't want to study the Bible. They don't want to study their lesson. And they don't have that desire. And, you know, I'm a teacher, and the kids are saying I have too much homework. Okay, how are you using your time in class? That's my first question. But once you get to academy, you're going to have homework. That's just even ninth and 10th, 8th, 7th. Five through eight, you're going to have homework. That's just the reality of it. And then the Sabbath school has some concerns. We have children who don't attend faithfully. We have children who arrive late. I know I'm a member of the Lansing Church, and I'll go down to do a, a mission story with the kids. Only half of them are there. And I get all done with the mission story about 10 o'clock, and then they show up. Sabbath school starts at 9.30. So they're consistently late. Uh, the families aren't studying the lessons, so when you get your juniors in and you want a nice discussion, they have no clue. Uh, they don't know their memory verses. I remember my, my younger son, he was in, in Sabbath school and down beginners, and every we'd be in adult lesson study back in a little room, and he would show up and crawl into his dad's lap, and he wouldn't go back to Sabbath school. And my husband would always say, okay, we're going to go back, and he'd sit with him, and then he'd be okay, and he could come back. Well, we got to discovering that he would sneak out of Sabbath school, and it was memory verse time, because, and he knew his memory verse. Going, why are you leaving? Well, I don't know my memory verse. Yes, you do. And he could say it to us, but he didn't want to say it to his teacher. So then we would, one of us would be with him 
during the memory verse time. And as long as he could sit on mom or dad's lap, he could stay as a memory verse. And that lasted about six weeks, and then he was good. But, you know, children now, they don't even bother to know ahead of time. And then uh, the children issue, they don't know how to obey. And they develop this desire to have things move along, you know. They don't want to slow down, to sit down. Um, I was talking with my daughter-in-law today. She came up with me, and she was saying, you know, Laura Ingle Wilder complained about having to ride on a train because the train went 20 miles an hour. And she was used to going on a covered wagon where you only went maybe 30 miles in a day. But you got to see the jackrabbits and the prairie chickens, and you got to see everything, and you got to look at all the details. When you're going 20 miles an hour, you're just, everything's just whipping by. <laughs> and now we're doing this to our children where they have video games and they have movies and everything's changing, changing, changing. We don't have time to sit down and just sit back and relax. This last year at school, um, a couple years ago, our Christmas program had been based on the prophecies of Isaiah about a savior. So we said, I had said, we need to go through Isaiah in detail and see what Isaiah says. And we didn't get to it until this last year. But then at Bible class, we could start with a nice deep Bible study into Isaiah, chapter at a time, talking about it, looking at what the commentary said as before we began our Bible class. That's not happening in homes. That's not happening with families. You can't do that in Sabbath school because you only have 52 Sabbaths. you got to use those Sabbaths as powerfully as possible. And it may be we need to be teaching our parents how to do Bible studies with their children. Um, it's not a priority. Again, you go back to families aren't having time to be a family, let alone be a Christian family. Uh, in education, the Ellen White's book, page 17, every human being created in the image of God is endowed with a power akin to that of the creator. Individuality, power to think and to do. And that's where we want to get our children thinking and doing. And at this point, I'm going to give you a little piece of homework. Not homework, we're going to do classwork. This, these are the two lists that we just looked at, and let's add to them. I just came up with a list that, you know, the things that had struck me the most in dealing with things. But do you see what other concerns might you see with the home or with Sabbath school? What other concerns? We have some Sabbath school teachers. Yeah. Yes. Um, divided homes. Uh, I know that, I, I don't know what junior lesson you're using, but when we design the um, real-time faith lesson studies, we design them for two weeks on the same topic because so many of us who are working on the project had students who would come every other week. If they were with mom, they'd come, but not, you know, or the other way around, but they were only there every other week. So we knew we had to hit it more than just once. Uh, which is why that one was designed that way. So, divided homes. Okay, what other issues are you finding? 
<coughs> well, I have, like you say, the Pathfinders Adventure Groups, home and school. Um, here at Cedar Lake Church, home and school, once a month, the kids go and put a program on to consist of churches. And so that takes them away from Santa School, which, you know, they're still doing a good thing. There has to be that balance of being active in the church so that they're learning these things, but then they're not learning their own lessons at the same time. <clears throat> I, believe, I believe in Pathfinders and all those other groups. I do believe that they're over-taxing each other. I know that, that we're wrestling with the same thing in Lansing is because we take the music groups out and we try to only keep, of the four groups, we try to make sure, you know, that every, they only miss one Sabbath a month. But if you've got a brother or sister in a different group, then you're missing that Sabbath too. And it's important that they're, so how do you do that? You have to get them out. And with our non-Adventist parents, those are the times we can get them to church. This last year we had three of our non-Adventist parents baptized, you know, but that was after years of them showing up at church because of the program. So yes, it's a, it's a, what do you do? Well, they have the Bible experience competition. Mm -hmm. So half my kids were in that. And so they study that and do their homework. And they said, well, we didn't have time to do the lesson. It's so, true. We have to re the things so that we were not just covering the lesson, but we have to bring out the high points in the lesson to, to, so that they are getting it, even though it's that once a week instead of week long. Yeah, so they're still getting them in so, Sabbath school, yeah. which is what we have to do anyway because they right. don't study. Right. At least yours are studying for Pathfinder Bible experience. See, I'm torn on that <laughs> because I, I do believe, I mean, I think all are, because I, I'm yeah. a Pathfinders as well, I didn't include that. <laughs> well, <laughs> you had I all of children's <laughs> ministries, yes. But I mean, I think that each um, school, Pathfinders, Sabbath school, you know, BBS, they all bring different things to the yeah. table. Mm -hmm. So I'm torn because I understand, yeah. I, I understand the desire to want them always there to get the lesson at Sabbath school. But I also think they're also learning so many valuable things right. in Pathfinders and doing their, you know, academically. And I, that's where I agree. I, I, I believe in these organizations, but I believe sometimes they go too far. Um, too many things going on at once. And, and that's going on for our kids who are in Adventist education, Adventist homes, because I know with our Pathfinder Club, we have several who aren't in in Adventist education, aren't from Adventist homes, so Pathfinders is it. That's that's their ministry. Yeah, and okay, I've already worked on the, our calendar for the year for Greater Lansing Adventist School, and that's in conjunction. Yeah, Pathfinders. I've got the Pathfinder calendar, and the adventure leader is saying, okay, now that now that you know, can you send me your calendar because I've got all the Pathfinder activities because we try so hard to make sure that we're not in conflict with each other because we want to support each other. We don't want to have, they've got a camp out. We don't want a music group scheduled to perform, you know, because they need to be able to do that. PBE, we don't, although this year it's in Grand Rapids, so. The North American division is in Grand Rapids. So thinking, oh great, there's no fundraising for that one. <laughs> I'll drive you all there myself, but.
um, it's, you know, it's been a great experience for those kids because a lot of the kids who, because who, our group always goes to North American Division, they don't get to go, they don't travel like that. So what a marvelous opportunity, but, you know, how do they balance? And, and when they get to academy, they say, I can't do PBE anymore because I've got so much homework to do, and they do. But, and I think studying the Bible is putting the best memory in. It's working your memory, so really supportive. But it is. And then you have uh, VBS, which is when you talk about reaching out to the neighborhood. You know, when we go through VBS registration, people are, oh, I've been waiting for this all summer. I've never seen these people before. But they show up every year for VBS. You know. Those are exciting things. So, how do, what do, you can see why we we're looking at home and Sabbath school because, and then we throw in Pathfinders Adventures, uh, VBS, and school programs, and. That all comes back to me. Your home has to be your foundation. I mean, I think it, especially if you know your kids are in Pathfinder school, then, then that. You need to make whatever is lacking that week your priority in the home. Mm -hmm. Training the parents to do that. Like, okay, I know I'm going to be here for Pathfinder Fair, so I'm going to be missing Sabbath school, so we need to make sure we focus on Sabbath school this week. I mean, yeah. Well, and, and we, if we had family worship, yes, that, would be that would be, I mean, yes, because if we had time, even a few minutes in the morning, I know my, my husband has a Ziploc bag, and in this bag is uh, the, it was one of the nature's nugget worship devotionals, where there's a page with a nature nugget on it. And, and it was in the Ziploc because it got so well used, it just mm -hmm. fell apart. But yet, you know, we would go through it every two or three years with the kids, and he'd take out a page when we'd go camping and take out a couple pages because we were not going to miss family worship. But in the morning, that was a while the kids were eating breakfast, we would read through that with them and um, thinking, okay, they got breakfast. They wanted to get up because they wanted to hear what the next story was, even if they'd heard it before. It was always really neat. And um, so that covered two things. The breakfast, which well, three breakfast, which doesn't happen in families, getting up on time without argument, and uh, family worship. So we could start to, the day together as a family, but so few families do that anymore. And then at the end of the day, it was devoted, I don't care what you had for schoolwork, we still had to go to bed, and my kids went to bed early, and, and there was a routine and part of that routine was we had we studied their Sabbath school lesson. Whether or not we were going to be there that Sabbath, they still had to study it, and we were going to learn it. Now, it's paid off really big because our older son now leads um, the sanctuary lesson study at the Grand Rapids Church. But that's because he spent, I think, a lot of years seeing how you study a lesson. What's going to happen when we don't have those kids around to do that? Well, we need to be training them. 
and we can train our own children, but how do we train the rest of the kids? <laughs> and I'm at an advantage because I've got them every day. I've got them 180 days a year, six and a half hours a day, and don't think I haven't counted that up. <laughs> you guys get them for 52 hours a year, and, and then they don't show up on time. So, um, yeah, our mir and miracles do happen. Colin Powell said children do not want to grow up without structure and discipline. And that is tremendously important is that we have structure and that we have discipline. And discipline, that's another word for discipling. I know discipline has gotten a bad reputation as being, you know, spanking. But yesterday when I was talking with um, some parents about the, the text in Psalms where you spare, Proverbs, where you spare the rod and spoil the child, the rod isn't, in my mind, isn't for beating kids. A shepherd didn't beat the sheep, he steered the sheep with them. He put it out to the side and guided them back onto the path. And that's, I think that's what we need to be doing is helping to guide our children, not just you know, telling them what they're doing wrong, because they could be telling us all day what we're doing wrong. <laughs> but, you know, and some of them do, so that's, that's kind of a, that goes on and on. Um, true training, training from the book Education, page 33, the system of education established and Eden-centered in the family, and that's exactly what you were saying is we've got to be helping our families. And as the leaders of children ministries, we've got to train our families. So it may be, you know, having a three minutes every church service to say, and we're studying this and this in the different Sabbath school divisions, and if you could, you know, start getting up in front and start saying little snippets because they're used to advertisements, you know, those short ads, or even you know, putting something up, if you have a screen that you put announcements on, maybe you could say this week primary is studying this and junior is studying this and this will be their memory verse. Not that the parents are going to remember, but it's bringing it to mind. But then as a children's ministry leader, I would get up and say, all right, now, this is what worked in my family. One, one we had Pastor Ringstaff for a while as, as our pastor. And one Sabbath, he had removed the pulpit from the platform and put a desk there. He had all these things on the desk. And his sermon that day was talking people through how to do a Bible study. And he'd say, and here are my sticky notes, and I have these different colors of pens, and I have this book and this book, and I keep them together, and then I'm going to open up my Bible. He spent the whole hour talking just talking about all the steps that he does for a Bible study. Now, to me it was, okay, there's nothing new here, but what a great, I mean, I still remember that, and I'm sure that there were many, many members, because we had many new members, who had never seen anything like that. So it's where we go with the curse of knowledge, is we know things, and we assume everybody else does. And as a teacher, it's really hard because you want to say, didn't I already teach you this? <laughs> you don't want to hear this over and over. 
But I think our families really need to, to see it up front as a priority. You know, and you might, if you don't want to get up in front and do it, you might talk to somebody at your church and say, it's, you know, or, or find somebody who loves to do slides and say, can you make 52 slides for me and we can go through and work on it, spend a Sabbath afternoon or Friday evening or Sunday afternoon. And let's put all these slides together for the year or however, for the quarter, and then those come up every week just as a reminder, you know, family worship. As simple as what I explained to you about how our family had worship in the morning. And it was, it was while they ate breakfast. And it was, you don't miss worship, and you don't miss breakfast. And it's your job to get out of bed, and if you can't get out of bed tonight, you go to bed in a half hour sooner. And they were already going to bed before dark. I mean, because as a teacher, I knew that if they didn't get enough sleep, they weren't going to learn. And also, if you don't get, you, you only grow when you sleep. And um, my older son had, had learned, I think, from Focus on the Family. He had listened to something, and the fellow had talked about you, you sleep. You know, if you want to grow, you make sure you sleep in complete darkness, that you get to bed early, and that you drink a glass of milk before you go to sleep because of the protein and the calcium in the milk. And I had a student who was complaining because he was too short, and my boys are tall, and so he was asking how they got to be so tall. So I said, well, this is, you know, they're getting plenty, they're getting plenty of sleep, and then... I said, and then Eric, who by that time was six foot eight, said, um, this is what he was doing for a while. I don't know why, but he, he was tired because he was growing so fast. But he was sleeping in the complete dark, going to bed about 7.30, and drinking that glass of milk before bed. Now he's allergic to milk, so I don't know if that happened because of that. But this boy, you know, had listened very intently. And then about a month later, his mom and I were talking, and she said, my son's doing something really weird. He's going to bed early, making sure the room's light, and he keeps wanting to drink milk before bed. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think I can explain this one. <laughs> but, you know, he did pass up his parents in height, and, you know, I think he reached six foot, which was his goal. So, um, not that you want to advertise that, but start sharing with people things that you've learned, you know, I was really excited to find out that the only time my brain cleans the plaque out of it and and clears up the debris that gets in the brain every day is only when I'm in a deep sleep. Napping doesn't do it, but I need to have sufficient sleep. And some of the speculation is some of our um, memory issues are because people aren't sleeping enough. And so that plaque builds up and never gets cleaned out. Oh, that's a little scary, but, you know, I'm sharing that tidbit with you. I'm always feeling like a lot of, uh, I mean, it's the lack of sleep. I feel like that should be step one. It is. It is. You could spend a whole quarter teaching parents about the importance of sleep. Um, Right now, they're saying kids who are medicated, there's a whole list of things that they need to do, and sleep is a priority. You know, 
medication won't work without sufficient sleep. And I think if you had sufficient sleep and diet and exercise, would you need medication? And, and they're also, and this is one you can share with your parents, which could help, uh, there should be no electronics for two hours before going to bed. And for younger kids, bedtime should be, you know, no later than 7.30 or 8, consistently. I guess my boys got to be up till 9 when they got in academy, but um, they were just really... Yeah, like some kids, you think they're sleeping. They're the, they have a bunch of names. They'll go into the bedroom, they'll pull the blankets over the top and play their iPod. Well, yeah, there should be nothing. You should remove all cell phones, iPods, computers. Nothing should happen for two hours before bedtime. No television, if you want them to be able to sleep well. Well, isn't that a great time to have worship then? You know, you've turned off all the electronics. They should, the, the world is saying a maximum of two hours of screen time a day. A day. And if they're watching anything at school, that's still part of the two hours. So now you're, you're really reducing that down. Um, I'm saying, you know, television, half an hour to an hour max, because how else do you have family time? And, it, you know, it's okay to turn off the television. And it's okay to sit there and analyze what you're watching. If you're, what, if you're, and talk to your families. If, if your children are watching something on TV, sit there and watch it with them, because you need to talk them through what you're seeing. Because there's so much lying, cheating, you know, all the things that, they'll start thinking is normal unless you start teaching them morals. And if you start watching television with your children, you're going to turn it off. So parents use it as a babysitter, but we need to help them realize. I worked for several years with a teacher who just would go home and turn the TV on just so she'd have some peace because her son was high maintenance. And she said, I know it's wrong, but I need it. And, and you know you know so much better and yet you're doing this. So you've gotta, we gotta be training them and, and that could be your focus, you know? Family worship and how do you get to family worship? And, and kids are gonna be more interested in Bible study if they're not constantly bombarded with all of the other stuff. What do you think? <laughs> homework done, Sabbath school lesson done. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing is, uh, you know, you've heard of Play 60, the football players who are saying, get your kids out playing for 60 minutes a year, a year, a day. <laughs> Some of them it is only a year. And that's not school time. You know, we'll, we'll work them hard at PE at school, but they need to have that time. And... Parents would say, well, we come home and we do schoolwork and then it's dark. And I'm over here saying, when you get home from school, you need to send them out to play because they've been sitting during the day. They need a chance to play and get fresh air. Well, then they can't get their schoolwork done. Have you tried it? <laughs> because if you give them that time, the rest of the time it gets a little bit easier, you know. 
and get into routines. And when you talk with families about worship, set a time morning and evening to have your worship. I mean, um, I have a granddaughter here. She's down in the Sabbath school right now, or a beginner's class. And when she was little, she's still little, but when she was a few months old, they could not get her to sleep. And my son, who sat in on numerous seminars with me about routines, told his wife, I think we need to get a routine for her. And he went back to his childhood routine of, you know, you, tell, you get to hear a story, and then you take a bath, and you get your pajamas on, and you brush your teeth, and then you go to bed. That's just it. Lights out. We're all done. You can cry all you want, but that's it. And she's in that routine now. And so they have family devotion time and then bath. Now, one, one time we, you know, when they got a little bit older, we were reading their Sabbath school lesson, working on their memory verse, and then they were getting to read some Detective Zack. I would read to them from that. That was right when it was coming out, and that was a big deal. It still is. The kids love it. But they would get one chapter, and then it was lights out, quiet. My husband and I would be at the other end of the house, so we wouldn't be making noise. You know, they wouldn't hear us talking. Years later, well, it, it was a few weeks later that um, I read the next chapter, and the younger child says, oh, you were right, Eric. Eric, what's going on? Well, he finally admitted he would read the next chapter after we turn out the lights. He'd get the flashlight out and read the next chapter because they wanted to know what was going on. And his brother wasn't convinced he was reading correctly because he was just, you know, a beginning reader. I was absolutely shocked that he could read. I wasn't, I wasn't upset with him, you know, other than, you know, Eric, you're not supposed to do that. But I was just amazed that he could read. I had no idea. I had to start taking the book with me. <laughs> You know, but we're getting the focus on where we want them to be, not on the focus of um, the world. And we need to help parents understand how to change that focus. Get them out playing. Get them drinking water. Take out the caffeine. Again, this is coming from the world, saying, if you want the child to do well in school, I, I went to a class for the, because I'm trying to figure out how to help some of these kids. You know, you keep coming up with new problems. And it all it keeps going back to is the family's got to change. Schools are doing everything they can possibly new, do now. The issue is with the families. The issue is with the kids getting the caffeine in their drinks and getting too much sugar and not getting enough exercise and not drinking water. And they're promoting water all over the place as, as the drink of choice. That takes us right back to New Start, doesn't it? I just couldn't believe it. You know, fresh air, sunshine, exercise. And it needs to be aerobic exercise so that they're getting their heart rate up for 45 minutes a day. That's exciting things, but it's things we've known all along, and it's not things that parents are doing. And um, as teachers, we try to kind of watch and see when Pathfinders is and try not to, to have a major test the day after a Pathfinder meeting because we want them to go to Pathfinder. Um, we try, Pathfinders on the other side will, will check with us to 
to make sure they're not scheduling something that's going to make it impossible for the kids to participate in. So there's a lot of things we can do together. Um, I do think that our children's ministries leaders, which are Sabbath school leaders, are going to have to start educating parents. And sleep might be the first thing. And if they can't get up in the morning, every, and this came from Dobson, every morning his daughter couldn't get up, her bedtime was an hour, half an hour earlier the next night. And then that would be her bedtime as long as she could get up the next morning. So it was amazing how quickly she adapted and quit fussing. And I thought that was a good suggestion. So what other things could we share with our parents that would help them help their children? Um, while you're thinking, if we go back to the King James Version, biblical instructions to parents, Moses said, these words which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by thy way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. So even when God was trying to change the mindset of these former slaves, they've been slaves for 400 years, he's trying to change them. He's saying, okay, I'm teaching you, but now you've got to talk to your children about it when they get up, when they come in the house, when they go out of the house, when they go to bed. Parents, you're, you're the ones who need to be talking to your kids. And we need to help our parents do that. Um, and we talk to our kids about having devotion and, and keep it being a high priority. How are your family devotions going? Well, we don't have them. Well, what do you need to do? We don't have any time. Well, how might we have time to, have, you know, what could you do differently so you have time? What can you do to help your parents? And they'll come sometimes with their devotion books and show me. You know, you know, there are things you can read in five minutes. But yet, your mindset is going towards heaven, not towards the world. What a great way to start the day instead of an argument with your parent. And, and I'll get kids who come in having argued with their parent in the morning, and it's, it's at least half a day before they're able to function. And then they go home for another argument because they have all the work because they couldn't do it because they're upset. But we took this the last couple of years at school and um, after a week of prayer, our older students would do, draw pictures to depict the stories of the week of prayer. And we would post those in our lobby along with the theme and, and you know what the pastor or the speaker had talked about. So at the going in and coming out, they were always seeing, whether they looked at it or not, they were seeing reminders of, of the spiritual lessons that we've emphasized. In our lobby, we have a whole bunch of shells sitting out on a bookshelf. Because one year we had Sally Stride come in and do a fantastic week of prayer with our kids. And it was all about the ocean. They all had their little ocean things. And, we want them to remember, remember the lessons the ocean teaches us about Jesus. So in our Sabbath schools, we could do that, but we can also train our parents is, you know, maybe put your memory verse of the week on the refrigerator or something where they see or, or on the table. You know, make that part of supper if you have supper together. Can we use, and I'm speaking from experience here because my son did this to me. Can we 
for some reason we're not giving food to the parents. Can the kids teach the parents and put that pressure? I know because mm-hmm. my my favorite school is kindergarten, but I have like incentives if the kids get there on time. They get mm-hmm. they, they get a sticker, and then once they fill up the sticker sheet, then they get a to, you know. So they're pressuring the parents. Yes. And my my son actually was last summer. Um, I I got up late, so it was when my kids were all up. I got up late. We were on the way to take the little ones to summer camp, and I was like, "We're just gonna have to skip worship this morning." And I I was I was crabby. I was I was just yelling. Nobody's doing what I wanted to do. I mean, it was. And my son, who was nine at the time, looks at me and says, "Mom." And I'm gonna cry. Say <laughs> I use this as a children's story, and I cried then too. I think we need to have worship. And still, even with my heart still hard, I was just like, "Well, you're gonna have to do it because I don't have time. We're gonna have to do it in the car." So we get in the car, and he's sitting there and he's thinking, and I'm like, "We've only got five minutes in the car. Let's go." I mean, I'm still <laughs> this mean, horrible monster. And he had just gotten back from summer camp at Camp Osabo, and he told me this great story about. They were wakeboarding and a boat broke down and they had to go and pull the other boat. And and he just looks at me and he's like, sometimes things are hard, but with prayer, anything's possible. And I'm just driving. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But like, I mean, the kids need to know that they have the right, that parents aren't perfect. Exactly. And they have the right to respectfully, I mean, but how do you do, I know that there's some... (laughs) Well, and that's one of the things that we talk with with the kids is, you know, are you helping to facilitate family worship? Are you, what are, what could you do to do it? Can you sit down and sing together if that's what your family likes to do? You know, can you have lead out in the prayer? What can you do to help your family? Because, you know, my family's too busy. I believe it. You know, I totally believe that. But what could you do? And then they start coming up, well, I might be able to do this, or I might do that, or, you know, we're reading this, you know, and I'll bring out devotion books and read parts of them to them and just say, this would be a great book, you'd love to do this, and, you know. And if they're the oldest, maybe they, I mean, you're teaching seniors, and they have youngers, then maybe they just go and... They can read it to them (laughs) while mom's fixing, you know, if dad's not there reading it to them, they could read it while mom's trying to fix breakfast. Yes. Sometimes, especially if you're in a divided home, and I am, I am a sinful mother, person, woman. I mean, like, I mean, we all. That's right. And I am so far from perfect that I need my children to remind me sometimes Mm -hmm. what they need. Oh, and I live with students who constantly remind me. You know. I sat down one day to start Bible class, and they said, aren't we reading from Isaiah? Yes, where did I put my Bible? I had totally forgotten, and we do it every day. But they're going, aren't we reading from Isaiah? Yes. <laughs> well, I, I have my Andrew Study Bible, which has you know lots of really good commentary in it. And so thinking... All right, they act like they're bored out of their minds, but yet you don't start Bible class without Bible study. You know, serious Bible study. You get into the Bible before you do anything else. So it's not, you know, and I say, I really count on you guys to help me remember things. 
you know, this is awesome. But, and again, I get them every day, so the routine gets a lot stronger than once a week, but I think we've got to be training them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and again, I had three non-Adventist parents baptized this year, um, and it and it's because of what the kids are bringing home. I know it. You, you bring up a good point. I was thinking of myself is that you can reach the, the family through the children, and uh, you know, with incentives and things. That, you know, this next quarter I plan on start reading a book before Sabbath mm -hmm. starts, so that I will read it and then at nine thirty. And that they hopefully want to hear what the story is of the ongoing story. Mm -hmm. to help them draw this up. I gotta get to earlier, Mom. I'm gonna miss the story and things like that. Yeah, it's happening here in the primary class here. My my daughter, it's like 20 minutes to nine. I gotta go, or like 20 minutes to like whatever. It's 20 minutes before class. We gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta get there. We can't miss. We can't miss the story. Or so, yeah. Tell how they lead the story off with, but then Auntie Linda. I don't know who Auntie Linda is, but Auntie Linda is telling a story at the primary, and she stops every day with, but then. <laughs> exactly. That 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 is a excellent tip to try and get. It doesn't always work. <laughs> um, it yeah. sure is. I used to do it with a mission story when I was in primary. Mm -hmm. And I used to help all that. I do that with a mission story. They just the same way. Good. Yep. Yep. But you know, we do that with with if we bring kids in from recess as a calming for our younger kids, we'll start reading them a story. But you only read so far, and then, uh oh, you know, you have to wait till tomorrow. Well, then when they come in tomorrow, they're they settle down fast because they want to know what's going on. So and that. Yeah, that works with most kids. The ninth and tenth graders, not so much. But, um, it, but you know, the other thing, especially with the junior early teenagers, is make sure you get to know the kids as they come in and, and before you begin the story. There was a, a girl who always showed up early to teens because she could chat with me then. You know, we were there at nine, and so she would come in soon after. Parents didn't come to church, but they drop her off, and she would come in, and we could sit and talk about her day and everything that was going on, and that, you know, that became important to her, just that one-on-one -on -one time that we got to have. So, don't. Kids would come in early in the morning at school, and they just get some private chatting time. I don't ever want to talk to the teacher. <laughs> You know, so that was a hard thing for me to, I, and I I laugh about that is because I saw the teachers constantly and talked to them, but that it was that important for some kids to have that adult who would be crazy about them. Every kid needs an adult who's crazy about them, and so we need to be crazy about our our Sabbath school kids, you know, even the tough ones. And there have been a lot of those, but. No, you never know what's going to become of them. You never know Yes. <laughs> Where did that come from? Well, remember you told us I told you. <laughs> you know, doesn't sound like me, but yeah. 
we got to help them to be crazy, us to be crazy about them. And only God can help us with all of that. Um, good, good information. We need to help parents know they're important. And this is one of the things I think we need to stress a lot as you talk with your church families. Ephesians 6.1 tells us, children, you need to obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. We need to be teaching our children the habit of listening. And, and as you talk to the parents, say, you know, um, don't let them ignore you when you talk to them. Because it's really easy to let it slip. You know, oh, they didn't hear me. No, they're ignoring you. Their hearing's good because they can hear the ice cream truck three miles away. But get, help them to be in a habit of listening. And part of this is television because television is very passive. It's non-interacting, so we need to be talking to our children. All the way up, my daughter-in-law was talking to, our, to my granddaughter and, and getting, she's only 21 months old, but getting responses and they were singing Sabbath school songs and she was asking her questions and drawing her out. Parents aren't doing that. They're handing them the cell phone and letting them play a game instead of spending that kind of time with them. And I used to tell them, car time is some of the best time. Turn the radio off and talk to your kids. Because now you've got them confined and restrained, and they're all yours. So having family worship in the car is not all a bad idea. You know, if you're running low on time, have your older child read, and then you can pray when you get to your destination together, you know. But it, it's, it, some parents say, oh, we travel so far to school. Excellent. Do you realize you could, you could study your memory verses and your spelling words that whole time? And then they come up with other excuses. Um, we need to help parents understand that traditions are important. What makes being a member of your family special? I always like this little cartoon. Why don't you get your dishes, Mommy, and join me as she's washing all of her dishes in the bathtub? But we can do that with worship. What is special about your worships? What a, you know, some kids, their family worship is um, the family singing together. In my family, that would have not been a fun worship. They, the, the family wouldn't have enjoyed that. Um, my boys love stories about nature. That was a great family worship. Other families might do a mission story book, read an Eric B. Hare story every night, or, you know. But I would say start with studying your lesson and then get to the dessert. You know, we're going to have our substance, we're going to review our memory verse, and it's best to review right before you go to sleep because then that's what imprints on the mind during sleep. So if you're studying for a test, study for your test and then go to sleep because that solidifies it. So study your memory verse right before you go to sleep. And then in the morning, you could ask, remind them again, all right, you know, let's have, let's have our blessing and then let's start eating and tell me your memory verse, what do you remember? There's going to be zero problems helping kids remember memory verses if it's, a, if it's you know, one minute here, one minute there. And if you're going to memorize anything, memorize the Bible. You know? um, I, I had my older students, and they had to draw. They had to write their memory verse on an index card, and sometimes the memory verses were the whole card. We're not talking big writing. 
But on the other side of the card, I had them draw a picture of what the memory verse meant to them. And for some kids, that really helps them remember it, is putting a picture with it. Um, but let's encourage our families to make Bible study and worship time something special for their children. I'm not saying do it in the tub while you play with your dishes, but, you know, start, start that routine because then the kids are going to help you remember. Um, I, I thought this was interesting. I did a little survey of, of ages and who they like to spend time with. And if you look, at all ages, you have friends and family. That's who they want to spend time They're not saying television. They're saying friends and family. They want to spend time with their friends, but family was always in there. You know, mom and dad are important. And uh, I was kind of struck yesterday, um, Jeremy Hall was saying that, in, he said, children should have less choices. And even his academy students here had, in a Bible class, had told them they wish, he wished, they wish that their parents would make more decisions for them. These are academy students where you think, you know, give them lots of freedom to choose, but really they need somebody in charge of them. And our parents aren't understanding that. Um, although the generation coming along right now might understand a little better, but our, our junior age parent parents of our junior age students are giving them tremendous freedom of choice without having given them the ability to choose. This is Evelyn, my granddaughter, and Leah, my daughter-in-law. So are you coming to be an example of somebody who goes to Sabbath school? Yeah, the magnets are right here. Yeah, there's people in here now. First uh, John 3.19 says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. I, I just, when I look at what's happening with our families, that seems like, and, and this is from 2,000 years ago. So even back then, John was saying, Look, our families are under control of the devil. How do we get that out of their devil's control? Well, we have to... Um, Purposely, like what Moses said in Deuteronomy, we have to purposely train them, the going in, the coming out, the talking. Encourage parents to talk to their children. Again, turn off all the peripherals, put the cell phone down, and start talking to your kids about what's important. Um, years ago when the Jurassic Park movie came out and it was available in the home, my boys were just hung up on dinosaurs. Oh, they love dinosaurs. Oh, those were, and they wanted to see that so bad. So one Sunday afternoon, we had some friends over, and, and we decided, okay, it's, it's light. They're not going to go to bed right afterwards. We can sit. And, you know, as we went through it, my husband kept stopping it, and we kept talking about it. And my friend who was pregnant with her first child, um, she and her husband afterwards had a long talk with us saying, we never, never thought about what we just saw happen here. That you explained what was happening, you explained how we, where we think dinosaurs came from, you explained, 
you know, so many things. So when it was all done, the kids weren't afraid or anything. They'd gotten to see all the dinosaurs, and that's what they wanted to see. Um, but we have to, parents don't do that. Parents don't know to stop what you're watching and just talk about what you're seeing. And we have to help parents understand that because otherwise, what is it, TV and video games are proud of the children they've raised? And that's, what's, that's what we're seeing in the world. That's why we have so many mass shootings. It's not so much the guns, it's all the training they've gone through. And we need to help parents understand who should be the priority. Who, are, who is your child spending the most time with? You know, is it a Christian teacher? Is it a parent? Or is it the world? And um, we had a little girl who was very strong in the school, and her parents moved, and it was just a lot easier to go to public school because, you know, public school, they bust them, they feed them. It's just a lot easier. And now people at their church are saying, that child has turned into a monster because now the training is not towards Jesus, it's towards the world. And look at what the world has done to a child. And it's, it's hard to see that happen as a, as a children's ministry person. I want all my kids there in heaven. But, but even John was saying that um, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So let's look a little bit at what scares children. Just bad videos, lions, bears, bats, snakes, sisters. <laughs> Shadows, the dark, thieves, volcanoes, Satan. You know, all these things for five through eight-year-olds. And then nine through 12-year-olds, home alone. And at 12, where it's okay, you know, they're probably good to be home. Number one thing that scares them is being home alone. Um, accidents, movies, spiders, mice, sharks, spiders, not going to heaven scares them. So how can we help them understand or help our parents understand that this is a scary thing for them? Losing my family. They're, they're suddenly becoming, realizing that things could change in their life. Bad things happen. Teenagers. Again, snakes, spiders, scary movie, type spaces, accidents, heights, the end times. Now this year we had a really good evangelistic series with um, Unlock Revelation. Made a deal with my ninth and 10th graders that for every Unlock Revelation meeting they went to and took notes on, they learned how to do um, sketch noting. So Leah made them all little personal books that they could draw pictures and I gave them felt markers and said, okay, you gotta bring me your notes from the meeting so I know that you listened that you get out of one worksheet for a Bible class. Not that they were getting a lot of worksheets. But you know, six, five of them attended every Unlock meeting to get out of a 10-minute worksheet. So, and they had the notes, and I said, you know, you've taken amazing notes. You know, you're gonna always be able to remember what you learned at those meetings because you've got all those notes. You've got Bible studies here. Look at these Bible studies where you wrote down all these texts. You have this forever. It helped take away some of the fear of end times. Okay. 
Um, death becomes a little more scary. Angry teachers, I thought that was a funny one, but kind of, okay, you know, got to remember that. Because if I get upset with them, that's a scary thing for them. Failing is a big fear for them. And even the dark for teenagers is a scary thing. Oh, yeah, that's true. So we understand our children really well. And then what do teenagers do when they're not in school? Homework, read, watch TV, exercise, chores, Facebook, sleep. And some teenagers sleep a lot, even in class. Um, they hang out with friends, they eat, they do computers, they shop, they study, they write, relax, and read. Okay. Um, computers was video games. Okay. Philippians 4.8 then says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So as we talk to our parents about what are you having your kids watch, what are you talking about, what are you reading with them, it all comes back to where does it fit into Philippians 4.8. I had a, in Grand Rapids when I was teaching there, the associate pastor usually came and did a Bible baptismal class for my sixth grade students had a young pastor come in and I that year I had a room full of girls there were 13 girls and a boy and uh, those girls were so hard on that young pastor I was afraid every time he would not come back and you know what's wrong with this song what's wrong with this movie what's wrong with I'm like oh it was Pastor Mills, Philip Mills, and, and he was so incredibly patient with them, and he said, you know what, you have asked some excellent questions, let's go to Philippians 4.8, and he spent an hour, you know, he put all those things down there in a list, and he said, okay, what movie are we talking about, where does this fit in this list? What song are we talking about? What television program are we talking about? Where, and he never told them what was wrong and what wasn't. He let them figure it out for themselves. And I sat there going, oh, these girls are killing him. They're killing him. But yet he kept coming back faithfully. And, they kept, and he would keep pointing to the scripture. And he kept having them make the decision what was right and what wasn't. Never saying, no, that's wrong, because he was saying, where does this fit in the list? I mean, that's a huge amount of maturity for a young pastor. But yet, those girls were able then to forever decide for themselves what's right and what's not. Yeah, it's so much better. They won't always have that control. Right, and I, and I feel the same way. I don't want to say, well, this is, movie is bad for this reason, but I want to teach you how to evaluate that for yourself. And, and they want to argue with me. Teenagers want to talk about music all the time. And say, I've got a simple question for you. Is it taking you to heaven or is it taking you away from heaven? You know what that music is doing to you. You can tell me it's taking you to heaven, but you figure it out for yourself. Is it to heaven or is it away from heaven? And, oh, it's not. It's not. Well, where is your mind going when you're listening to it? 
and then they don't want to ask you anymore. They want you to okay what they're doing because they think it's a neat song. If you were to just tell them that this was not the, you know, this was mm -hmm. not the song, without them choosing for themselves, just like the old saying, a man convinced against his will the same opinion still. Absolutely. So if we give them the tools to analyze it for themselves, then we don't have to, because I'm not always going to be there. I'm not going to be there. I'm not, I, don't want to, I don't want to be the music police. I don't want to be the clothing police, so we wear uniforms. I don't, you know, these are things that you guys decide for yourself. And if we go to some place where they don't have to wear a uniform, say, okay, but you've got to bring your uniform with you because if you choose poorly, I need you to put on the uniform. And we're going to talk about what's acceptable for a dress. And then I'm going to let you choose but I always have a backup if you don't choose well. And you know what? They hardly ever have to put that on. Because usually they don't, you know, they don't want to wear the uniform. And they know that's what's going to happen. So they choose well. Um, but, you know, as a school, we want to be very close, and we want our families to be very close. One year, uh, we, we got a chance to ride our bikes across Mackinac Bridge. We just happened to come up on a bike tour. Now to do it, you have to do the whole weekend tour, which I'm not going to do on Sabbath. But at that point, they let us just come up. Oh, we rode our bikes across the Mackinac Bridge that day. But we had signed up that morning, so they didn't have T-shirts for us. So my husband, bless his heart, we found a, a T-shirt printing place that afternoon, and we got a T-shirt. He he paid for us to all make sure we had our own t-shirts. I rode the bridge. You know, that, that makes our family special. We need to make our family special. Um, our school is a family. We make it special. Yeah, the uniform. But we also have a t-shirt day. And they have a glass t-shirt in bright colors that they can buy, their choice of color. And they look forward to that day because as soon as we started doing that, they quit complaining about the uniform because they had a day to show their individuality. But we're still all a family. In fact, so many of them have t-shirts. When we go on any kind of um, field trip, we ask them to wear their t-shirts. And it has the fish logo on it, you know, so it's clearly a Christian school. We went to Art Prize in Grand Rapids, and some lady pulled me aside and she said, I'm just really impressed you know, that you're willing to stand up to being a Christian, for being a Christian, and all of your kids are too. So we don't know what a witness we are. And I keep telling him, you know, you've got our name, Seventh-day Adventist, on your clothes. You represent the church to people who nobody else is going to know. What if we did, I mean, Pathfinders has a uniform. What if we did something special, like had a party with our, our kids and... Um, one of the things we're going to do when school starts is we, we have at our school something called family groups. It's like a one-room school, and we meet once a day or three times a week and have a special Bible stu study. Each teacher has a mixed-age group for a Bible study. And family groups are really important because we look out for each other. Those are the kids, you know, you create special friends in that group. Being a one-room school teacher, I felt like this was an important thing. And it breaks up your social group because now you're with a, a different ages. 
And how do we identify ourselves? You know, we may go on a family group picnic and um, field trip, just us. It's something we do together for fun. Because we study the Bible together and we discuss and we have to be open as a family. This year, the first day of school, we're going to, everybody's going to have a white t-shirt and they're going, we're getting um, fabric spray. And each family group is going to spray their own t-shirt in a pattern with the same two colors. So now we'll have a family group t-shirt day so that we can identify ourselves in a little different ways. But we want to keep, keep that sense of unity together. And it needs to start with the family, which is why we have family groups. It's, it's a, you know, an idealized family where you have a leader who's... But again, we're trying to train our kids. How are you going to lead a Bible study? This year, our ninth... Our, Sixth through tenth graders spent two hours every Friday morning. How do you lead a Bible study? And going out and trying to get Bible studies in the community. What are we going to do? Um, who do the kids want to be like? Look at this. This really struck me that all kindergartners want to be like Jesus. First graders, uh, friends, uncle, teacher, mom, teacher, friends, parents, grandparents, all good role models. But look, we're, it's still primary influence is a family member. And we have to help our families understand they have the biggest influence. Um, my, my children, their grandparents were a tremendous influence on them. I'm blessed that both sets of grandparents were wonderful positive influences and you know they could come and praise endlessly and uh, those kids would not want to disappoint a grandparent uh, fifth graders again look you've got mom dad but now you've got the fantasy people um, sixth graders you've got God and pastor in there pastors can be a tremendous role model Psalms 1.6 says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And we want to help our children to refocus and our families to refocus. And, and the Bible says a little child shall lead them. So when we talk about training our kids, we've got that option. Those who would impart truth must themselves practice its principles only by reflecting the character of God in uprightness, nobility, and unselfishness of our own lives, can they impress others? Education 41. Sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> it's, my, it's my five minute warning. <laughs> it's my warning to go get my kids. <laughs> well, well, then you're in good shape because we're closing okay. in on the end. But it struck me that we need to be reflecting the character of God as, as, and, and that's really scary to do, because if I think, well, I can teach, but do I always reflect the character of God? Well, no. I aim to, but like, like every other mom, I have my moments. Yeah, but you know what? We can teach the children then how to ask for forgiveness when we blow it, and just, oh, I never should have said that. I am so sorry. And can we pray together about this? Or, you know, it, it, it's take our mistakes and make them learning moments because none of our kids are going to be perfect. Um, 
uh, where are we leading them? Are we leading them towards heaven? Are we leading them away from heaven? It's just like with music and movies and games. Is your video game leading you towards thinking about Jesus or away? Do you ever think about Jesus when you're playing? Ask them that question. Uh, they walk away just, you know, they don't want to give it up. And I understand I want to give up chocolate. I understand. I know what addiction's about. And there's, there's addiction to video games. It is, it is a wired. And kids who play too much, or sometimes kids who play at all, that's, what they're, what's, that's what's going on in Sabbath school. When they're not engaged, they're playing in their head. Um, but yet the parents, it's hard to take that away from them. So that doesn't happen. We have looked at a lot of things this morning. We've compared the needs between the two groups. And hopefully we've come to, you know, maybe a little bit of a formulating a plan of action that we might, steps we might take to help strengthen the home at the Sabbath school. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13. You're not without hope. We do know what, that we are in a real battle. And I think it's the spirit of prophecy that tells us if God could, if God would choose to, to clear the, the film from our eyes, we would see that battle going on right in front of us. And sometimes we see it when we watch a child make a decision for right or wrong. We know that, that their angel and their, the devil is there working on them. But we're shielded from that because it would just drive us insane, I think. Yes? Probably. No, it's not. No, it's not. It, would be, it would be New King James. Yeah. I think the one that I didn't have, that I did have as King James, I think the rest are New King James. So, parting thoughts as we wrap up. This is very apt, and a lot of stuff you know, but, I mean, you've, you've introduced to me, you have that ability to get this information directly from the mouth of babes, and especially, like, what they think about who they want to be like, and... Yeah, and as teachers, a lot of times we stand in the place of a parent during that time. And that's a scary thing. You know, what do I want them to go home saying? You know, what, what do I want their focus to be on? Have we, have we brought everything back to Jesus? This next year for ninth and 10th grade, we're having, it's world history. I'm thinking, okay, we're going to be going through the great controversy as part of that study. Is, you know, all right, I love history. Ab absolutely. You know, this is the most Bible and history fun, fun classes to teach. But we need to see God's actions all through history. And so how do we do that? Because our textbooks don't do it. But how do we show God in history and, and take everything back to, okay, this happened. But how, where do we see God in that? And that's what we want to do is keep bringing them back to Jesus and what we're thinking about and talking about and 
as we plan our activities? How is this going to bring them closer to Jesus? So let's not do things that are just, you know, and I'm not saying it's not fun to do things. You know, I'm going to take my family group and we're going to play miniature golf. You know. My uh, ninth and 10th graders wanted a reward and they wanted their reward to go play bowling. So we went and played bowling. But we, we did it at a time where the music wasn't, you know, loud and there wasn't other people, there weren't other people around. And you know what? Well, every, once somebody was throwing the ball, rolling the ball, I got to talk with those kids because they were not going to be, they weren't wandering off. We had a good chatting time about next school year and what they thought would be important. And so again, building up the relationship because that's going to be your strongest influence is your relationship with them helps their relationship with Jesus. So I'll be really interested to hear how things go. It would be nice. I mean, I know, like, here at Camp Meeting, there's a lot of parent instruction classes. Not as many this year. In the past, uh, here at Camp Meeting. Yeah. They haven't been well attended. So that's why that's backed off some. Unfortunately, our parents probably need to. Yeah. <laughs> they probably need to attend. But it would be nice to do something for even my local church to try to do just to help teach these parents how important it is. But unfortunately, and I'm I'm an excuse maker too. I I don't have time for worship this morning. We're just you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's why I'm wondering if maybe those little snippets every Sabbath morning, just something about family life, family encouragement, if that might make a difference, because they do tend to be there at church time. Yeah. So if you can just have a little bit to strengthen families every week. Yes. No, no, no. Well, I, it's more like, I found this worked for me, or yeah. so get somebody else to say, and I found this worked for me. Let them know there's, there's a whole myriad of ways to go, but find the one that works for your family. Yeah. Or the morning meeting or, or listen to them on the radio the early morning. I didn't. It was so awesome. Talking about different methods for reaching souls for Christ and, and how he went into how Paul had different methods. Mm-hmm. Jesus was an example. He went into several different examples. They did use you know different tools for different folks. That's just Yeah. Another way of saying what he was saying that um and I'll do what said. We can't use the same methods. And if you, if you, um, read, not Google, but you know, go to Ellen Dwight's um, website and put in new methods, that you probably have. Oh, interesting. References for different methods. methods. To reach others. And same with the kids. I think it's the same concept. Different kids can be reached in a different, different way. way. So they have their own love language. They have their own. Things they like, one one I had a bookworm and one that yeah. Read the book if the rest of the world was upset <laughs> or something, you know. Um, and and so praying and asking God different, you know, ways mm-hmm. to. Um, I just thought of that with what you were saying. Yeah, good. To reach out and to encourage. There's all kinds of different ways. Right. And Cameron was challenging us to. Some of them are still need to be invented, and we can still pray and ask God to give us wisdom of ways to reach people, and especially our young people. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I, and they're going to be our workers too. So we have yes. to equip them to do that.
Well, they gave me a time limit, and it's up. So I am going to close with prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for giving us so many opportunities. And Lord, you know, we, we feel like we fall short and we're at a loss for answers, but you've got the answer. You've got the children in your hands. Please give us the strength, the wisdom, the ability. Lord, as you put these children in our paths, show us what to do. Put the words in our mouth. And Lord, we look forward so much to having these children in heaven with us. Please give us the strength and courage and hope to continue in the ministry. In your name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.